It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 317 of Locked On Raptors for... What the hell day is it? Tuesday. 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 You guys are hearing this on Wednesday, April 18th, but it's Tuesday, April 17th still. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, of course, of LockedOnRaptors.com, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at LockedOnRaptors. And uh, make sure you check out the Lockdown Podcast Network. There's so much great stuff uh, from all the different hosts. There's uh, the daily Lockdown NBA show from all the, the bunch of the sort of higher-profile hosts from across the network now doing daily shows there. Uh, find a show you like, subscribe, rate, review, leave ratings, five stars, all that stuff. Uh, it's very much appreciated. If you find Locked On Raptors on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all those places, uh, please feel free to leave a rating. It's uh, it's a nice thing to do. It helps my ego, and uh, it's, uh, it's the best thing you can do to support the show. With all that out of the way, I hate doing the intro when I have a guest on the show. It's such a pain in the ass. Uh, the voice you heard originally telling me what date it is, it's Seared Sohi from SB Nation, Vice Sports, CSP, all over the place, really. Uh, how are you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. We're coming to you from the ACC after the Raptors just beat the Wizards 130-119 in Game 2. The Raptors have a 2-0 series lead for the first time in franchise history. It's super weird. Uh, all this is brand new uncharted territory. Uh, I guess this we can just kind of start generally and kind of go off more specifically from there. The Raptors dominated pretty much the first quarter, 44-27. The offense was kind of getting whatever it wanted. Uh, third quarter kind of waned a little bit, and then the fourth quarter at the start, a weird lineup was in for the Raptors. John Wall got hot, and it got within five, then the Raptors kind of blew it out. Um, with all that in mind, what was your biggest takeaway from this game, either from the Raptors or Wizards' perspective? Like, what are you going to be thinking about the next two days before game three? Oddly enough, even given the the comeback, I can't stop thinking about how pathetic this Wizards team is. <laughs> They've just done such a good job of accumulating and wasting all their talent. Like, the way that they've come together mm-hmm. and just shit on themselves, essentially, <laughs> is almost as inspiring as the way that the rappers have come together <laughs> become better than the sum of their parts. It is really, and it's really weird to see because it is it's just a total reversal really yeah. like the Wizards are the team that doesn't play that well in the regular season and then comes into to the playoffs and generally outperforms their regular season record they've won series as as Raptors fans know being uh being the uh the away team mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for them they took the Celtics to seven last year and I mean they were Kelly Olnick away from going to They uh, should have beaten the Hawks a couple years ago. They should have beaten like, the Hawks. They beat and that John Bulls team. They kind of put yeah. the last dagger into that team's heart. Exactly, yeah, like this exactly. is not a playoff slouch of a team. And I think now we're at the point where ironically the Raptors might be the ones putting the dagger in this iteration of the Wizards. And I think it kinda goes to show that maybe the regular season and habit building does matter. For some teams. I mean sometimes yeah. you see a team like you mentioned the Atlanta Hawks team that always won six like that for that brief run won sixty games and kind of didn't show anything for it in the playoffs. Yeah. So you know it's just 
these things can can add up. They can accumulate, and if you don't if you don't show up for a good part of the season, not everybody can flip the switch and or even work out the wrinkles of your best lineups the way that the Raptors have. Yeah. And the thing, too, I mean, with John Wall being out so long this season, Bradley Beal, I think we're kind of seeing what happened to Kyle Lowry in the 2015 playoffs, where he carried the season with DeMar out for so long. By the end of the year, he was broken down. And Bradley Beal just doesn't look like he has that much juice right now. He was 3 of 11 tonight, just nine points. Um, you know, John Wall, to his credit, played an excellent game. He got foul trouble early, as did, uh, as did Beal. Um, and somehow the Wizards bench led by Ty Lawson and Mike Scott. We could talk about Mike Scott a little bit more as well because I think he's going to be kind of important. But, um, you know, credit to John Wall for playing really well. He had 29, 9-17, 11 assists. He was getting to the basket at will, 11 free throws as well. But Beal just, like, it, it seems like it's catching up to him a little bit. So even while John Wall may be coming out of his rusty sort of phase after coming back from injury, it might not be enough because Beal just doesn't look like he has it in this series so far. The Raptors have done a really good job defending him, whether it's OG or whether it's uh, Kyle Lowry or whoever else they're tossing on him. Uh, yeah, you really know. have to, not to cut you off there, but you really, really have to credit Kyle, I think, yeah. for, for the way that he defended him pretty much from, you know, when he got back to the second quarter on game one to the end of the game, he was mm -hmm. on him like glue. He just wasn't letting him go anywhere. Beal picked up a couple frustration fouls and then... You know, going into game two, he was actually complaining a little bit about the the physicality mm -hmm. and the lack of the lack of calls that he was getting. And I think the moment that you really start doing that in the series, there's always a little bit of of chess played as far as complaining about officials. But usually, you don't. Usually, you see that from the coaches. Once yeah. the players start talking about it, there's a psychological edge yeah. that I think they give that they give away. And I mean, it was it was very clear. It was very clear that. that they had because I kind of assumed that Beal would come into this game aggressive, try to, you know, get some on Lowry, really, because Lowry was playing him very closely, and it mm -hmm. just didn't really go that way for him at all. Yeah, Ty Lawson uh, kind of did the thing that you would expect Bradley Beal to do and was, like, good in the backcourt for this team. <laughs> Oddly enough. Super weird. He played 31 <laughs> minutes. Did not think we'd see 31 minutes combined for Ty Lawson in this series when they signed him on the last day of the season. Uh, he had 14 and 8. He had five, uh, 4 or 5 from deep, as did Mike Scott. And the bench somehow, you know, Scott Brooks did the thing again where he doesn't play the stars on his team, his three best players, for, you know, a four or five minute stretch at the end of the first and into the second. And for the second straight game, the Raptors couldn't really take advantage of that. And it was that bench unit at the start of the fourth quarter, you know, with Wall kind of helping out as well, but the end of the third start of the fourth, that bench unit was, like, giving the Raptors problems. And I don't know, do you think that's something that's going to continue going forward? Is it something the Raptors should be worried about, or was it just like this weird one-off game where Ty yeah. Lawson discovered... Prime Denver Ty Lawson for 30 minutes. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, not to say that it started prior to, to the fourth, but I think in general, if the if Dwayne Casey no longer puts out his victory cigar trolling <laughs> lineup of Lorenzo Brown and Baby out in the fourth, I think the Raptors would be fine dealing with the uh, with the Wizards bench. They didn't really have the requisite energy today. I think they came out a little bit uh, a little a little bit tight, probably because Fred was tight. Fred yeah. You know, played the first three minutes and then sat out for the rest of the game. His shoulder was clearly still bothering him. And I think that kind of set the tone for, for the bench. They didn't really, you know, maybe it's just a matter of they didn't come in prepared for Fred to not be there. Whereas in yeah. game one, you could tell they really, really did. I, yeah. I mean, DeLon took the the onus on himself. And he still, he had a good game DeLon today. DeLon was awesome yeah. again, man. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 he definitely was. But he came on more in the fourth. He had some big defensive plays. Obviously, that alley-oop, which he said was actually the first alley-oop finish 
that he had in the NBA. Yeah. So congratulations to Lon. It was a hell of a time to... So uh, many firsts in this, in this yeah, series. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of firsts, a lot of firsts. But yeah, like maybe it, it, it seemed to me that they weren't necessarily as prepared for, mm-hmm. for living without Fred as, as they were in game one. And that's, that's a big thing for this team. Fred is kind of secretly become one of their mo- most important players. They're also having to close games out without him, and yeah. he'd become a mainstay in that he was he was one of the four guys that they always went to, and that could kind of have something to do with them uh, them coming out in the fourth quarter flat. Yeah, But he in fairness, play. when the starters came back in, particularly Serge, Kyle, DeMar, they went on like a 17-4 run and put it away. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, like Casey was trolling. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they got back in there, and it was like, yeah, if you're going you're gonna to start... We're gonna start two guys that you know probably should, you know, be playing for the Raptors nine to five for the majority of the time. <laughs> and you know you're gonna we're talking you're about gonna, a G League MVP here. So this is true. This on. is true. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> upper level G, G, G League players. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to diss any of them. My point. <laughs> my point is only that when you have one team that is basically playing for their playoff life. Yeah. And even this, this iteration of Wizards basketball, they're gonna come out with something and. Of course, it can be frustrating that the Raptors don't match that intensity, but it's also a tough ask of yeah. a team that is that is starting that started off a blowout in the first half. Like first half blowouts, especially in an era with three point shots, they just don't last. Yeah, and just you know, given everything, the the disparate stakes involved for everybody, yeah. they were gonna make a run. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It very much reminded me, and I think I tweeted this, so I'll just steal from myself. Like, it reminded me of their, like, late February swoon, where it was before they started losing games, it was when they were still winning games against, like, the Nets and the Magic and teams like that where they just obviously didn't care about playing defense for 48 minutes because they didn't really have to. Because mm-hmm. it's not like the Wizards were doing anything sort of, you know, fantastic on offense to sort of break them open and, like, require, like, high attentive defense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was the Wizards being the Wizards and the Raptors were just owning the Wizards being the Wizards. And then it came to the point where I just, I feel like they didn't really care until they had to care again. And when they did, my God, I think I saw... Uh, a stat just on Twitter now, when Kyle, DeMar, and Serge were on the floor together, they had a 140 offensive rating and, like, a 96 defensive rating. So, like, when they really had to step it up, they did, um, which I think is probably a good sign for people who are, like, worried about the, the iffy parts of this game going into Game 3. I mean, when they really tried, they, they, they're just better than this Wizards team. Um, going back to, like, grand takeaways from the game, I think my biggest thing is, like, 
I just don't know if the Wizards have any more moves to make. It just, it feels like they're kind of checkmated. They have a couple things they can go to. Mike Scott, actually, maybe the most interesting thing to come out of the post game was uh, Scott Brooks talking about Mike Scott, and someone said, oh, he's been so good as a backup five, and he's like, yeah, he might be a starting five soon. We'll see. Uh, so that's probably the most interesting development in terms of matchup-wise, and John Wall spoke glowingly of Mike Scott as well. Huh. It felt kind of... Maybe pre-return like let's hype up Mike Scott. Well, here's the thing is we know we we know like there was a like a video of him and Gortat fighting on the bench tonight and like that's been going on all season between those two, and the the thing John Wall said was oh I love like running pick and rolls with Mike Scott like I mm-hmm. love I'll run my pick and rolls with him, maybe I, that seems like shade to me maybe I'm reading too much into it but it seems like I like Mike Scott out there. He was playing yeah, small I mean, ball five a lot. I mean, Gortat has yeah. felt very free to say whatever he wanted all season, and it might be coming <laughs> back to bite him. And, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like, I think this was this was a series yeah. for Gortat to butter his bread. He has consistently owned Valanciunas in almost every matchup, but now, like, with the way that Valanciunas has grown... He can't catch up to him on the three-point line. He'll, yeah. like, I think th- I think this was actually on Morris, but, like, he got, JV hit a three, and then immediately they switched the matchup to Morris, and yeah. then he fakes a dribble handoff and just drives to the rim for an and one. Like, we're looking at a completely different player now who's also made enough strides defensively that he's not just going to get eaten up in pick and rolls yeah, that yeah. he used to. And also he had a Gortat, great defensive first half. And Gortat yeah. is also not as mobile as he used to be. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense they would want to switch, switch things up. But, yeah, I think you're right. Like, they just – I can't – I, I can't see what the Wizards would do to trip up the Raptors. Like, we've seen every possible iteration of Raptors lineups yeah. this season, and I, they're really prepared for a lot of different matchups. You can put Mike Scott at the five, and then, okay, like then the the Raptors respond with their own three-point guard line, which, by the way, they love playing. Yeah. If you want to if you wanna allow them to play that without having to give up a height advantage, they will do it every single time. Like, that's just not... It's not the best idea, and I... I with the way that Lawson was playing and also just, you know, have to, having to do something different. Yeah. I don't begrudge Scott Brooks for for doing that, but it kind of just goes to show that there just aren't a lot of a lot of lineups that they can throw at the Raptors that are going to give them too much trouble. Like There's just yeah. so many versatile players on this team on both ends that are moving mobile, they're... I don't know what are other words that aren't mobile. You know, yeah. you, you know yeah. what I'm getting at. Like this, that's that's kind of the thing, right? Like yeah. they, they're versatile. Yeah. That's all. That's and the thing. That's sort of why the whole oh the depth doesn't matter as much in the playoffs thing is kind of bullshit to me because you look at the way the Wizards are constructed and the way the Raptors are constructed. The Wizards, like most of their bench players, are just like crappy copies of like original of, of their starters, right? Like Jan Mahimi's just like a worse marching Gortat, or maybe he's better. I don't know, but they're very similar players. They I'd don't, say he's much worse. Yeah, they don't they don't offer much in, in terms of like different looks. Uh, Mike Scott, you know, Markeith Morris, very similar players. Yeah, uh, you know, Bradley Beal. You have Thomas Sadaransky come in. He's kind of a, a mix of both Wall and Beal, but just much worse. Like they don't have different lineups they can throw out. Where you know Pascal Siakam is so different from all the other Raptors bigs. Mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka does different things than all the other Raptors bigs. Like they, the Raptors just have more interchangeable skills as opposed to the Wizards, which are just like replacing guys with with some skills with worse skills who do the same things, essentially. Yeah, one thing I wonder is maybe maybe they'll try to go to Jason Smith. I oh, should, dear. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's it's weird because this has kind of been a thing all season for, for the Wizards that Ian Mahimi is very bad. Oh, he's awful. He's... And, yeah. I mean, it's not like Jason Smith is a world beater, but he won't hurt you the ways that Mahimi has for them. <laughs> and it's one of the... Like... 
It's really interesting to to observe Scott Brooks in a in a presser. And I, I wasn't there for his presser today. I was in Lockers uh, Raptors lo- locker room, but yeah. uh, the game one presser. I feel like he's consistently just answering the same questions about his poor coaching decisions yeah. over and over again. Like he is always answering to the fact that he doesn't stagger his lineups, which, fine, I guess it worked out today. But consistent, like, that is just not a smart thing, especially when you don't have a good bench. Like, when you're... When the number one thing against your team last year was that they didn't have a good bench, and they've kind of... You know, they fell backwards into into some solid bench players this season because of injuries. It wasn't, like, any of his own genius. And, and you know, just the way that nobody on this team really gets along, that was the question that he consistently gets asked about. And yeah. he, kind of say, oh, like, oh, we do tend to come together in the playoffs, whatever. Like, he just is answering the same questions over and over again. I think, you know, Jason Smith is no longer one of those questions because <laughs> how long can you keep really fixate on that? Yeah. But it's just really, it's really interesting because it, remi- it reminds me of when they were, when they were here, I can't remember which of the games that it was, but it was pregame and somebody asked him how he felt about, like, the fact that it got on, got onto a pretty slow start in the season. And mm-hmm just had no sense of urgency like his answer had no urgency and like you know okay like even if you don't have a sense of urgency you should still reply with one so your players aren't yeah. just like our coach is bailing us out and it was just really weird to me like there's just just way too zen for for a guy who's coaching a team that is uh, completely falling apart yes. on the verge of a core meltdown yep, yeah 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 mm-hmm. the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, the the coaching disparity in this series, I think it's been pretty obvious. And honestly, I kind of am surprised that the Wizards continued to send so much aggressive attention towards Kyle and DeMar. And mm-hmm. I asked CJ Miles about this after the game. Like, did, you, did they do anything differently? He's like, no, they just kind of did it more. Like, they were more aggressive. Yeah. And that leads to John Wall and Bradley Beal picking up quick fouls. And still the same sort of seven threes for the Raptors in the first quarter, where it's just, like, filtering to OG and Surge and these guys that, like, that's what... Yes, that's what the Wizards want, but also it's not working, so maybe try something else. Maybe try to just play straight-up defense like and most other teams do. Is it really what you want at this point? Yeah. Like in this In this modern age, and also given what the Raptors have done all season, game one, I get it. Yeah. Like, you know what, you're coming into into an arena where the fans are scared. There's just, like, a malaise over everything. Oh, it's terrifying. Everybody's just, like, <laughs> super nervous because what if the Raptors lose game one again and then it's just going to be complete pandemonium. Going into that game, I totally understand trying to play into into this notion that the Raptors are their worst tendencies. Mm-hmm. They're gonna revert back to the same playoff team that they were that they were a year ago or three years ago when they played each other. So let's go with this aggressive trapping and just see if we can scare the shit out of them and they'll start turning it over. Fine. Mm-hmm. Game one, you want to play into that idea? Go ahead. Yeah. But when they go sixteen of thirty from three and yeah, yeah. <laughs> just. <laughs> There's, I, it's just utterly shocking to, at this juncture, not believe that the team that is killing you is the one that you're really facing. Yeah. Like, that is what we're seeing. And it kind of, like, it kind of just gets back to the whole Wizards arrogance thing. Like, yeah. Uh, 
talking just, lots of shit without being able to back it up yeah. or to take the steps in order to like back they it think, up. Yeah, they no. think everything's the same as it used to be. And, yeah. I, and even after being shown that it isn't, yeah. no no changes, whatever. Yeah. Just keep this keep it going. So touching on some of the, we can wrap this up after this, but touching on some of the things that maybe the Wizards can do in the next game if there's anything left. Like, I guess they're going to, if Mike <laughs> Scott is their starting center, they go Scott Morris to start, like... Yeah, like, I don't know, because the Raptors so far have owned that front court. You know, JV and Surge have not been deterred. Eventually, like, JV was 19, 19 and 14 tonight. He got a podium game. He was excellent. And, like, I, I'm not sure Morris and Scott are stretchy enough to really make you worry that much yeah. for, for, for Jonas having to, like, come out to the perimeter and stuff. And if, like, you're funneling your whole offense to Mike Scott and Markeith Morris, that's a good thing. That's what the Raptors want. Right. And so, like, I just don't think that front court is going to be the answer for them and after that I just don't know what it is but I don't know yeah, like, do you grant, see a path to success for that front court yeah I'll grant that there are times when you know in this game too like Jonas came off the floor because they went small yeah that's not going to be your end all be all for defending the Raptors yeah and like I mean do you really do you really want to have no rim protection while Lowry and DeRozan are on the floor yeah, yeah. It just for all of all of the offense that Jonas provides, they can make up for it just by being a little bit more aggressive when that happens. And then if you're, and then when you force the Raptors to go small, that means they're going to be more, more spout out as well. Yeah. So it kind of really just I think it really just plays into their hands. And I think that's just kind of the story of the series. They're just more talented. Yeah. You know, the like. Uh, they just have more moves to make. They just have way more like chess pieces yeah. on the board to play with. I think. And I don't know. Sometimes I think, like, are they more talented? Because I don't know. Like Wall was awesome. He was yeah, really like a, hel- a healthy John Wall is arguably the best player in the series. Mm-hmm. Granted, he's not healthy. Yeah, it's still close. Yeah, Bradley Beal is fantastic. You can you can still this is the best backcourt in the league argument is like extremely tired, and I don't want to get into <laughs> it. But they're comparable. Yeah, they are definitely comparable, and they should presumably have the bench now, considering. The emergence of of Sadoransky. <laughs> like Uber even I just you know they're 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 still poorly coached that I don't know how to analyze them and they also hate each other so that yeah. is you know those are the type of things that will drive your talent down I guess yeah and also like the Raptors if they do want to try to throw Mike Scott out at center for thirty five minutes like. They can throw out Surge at the five. They haven't even used the Surge Pascal yeah. front court, which has been excellent this season in a small sample. It's probably they're probably saving it for when they need it more against like a real team that isn't just like this disarray of like John Wall one day like just trying to like carry a bunch of dudes to a win. Like it's the Raptors are just Zach Lowe said it today on his podcast. Like the, it's the least interesting X's and O's series because the Raptors are just better. Like that's just kind of how it is. And I think we've seen through two games. Like I don't know. If you had to put a number of games on this series based on what you've seen so far, like, is there any chance the Wizards bring this back? No, I mean, I think they'll win a game. Yeah. And I'm only really saying that because, <laughs> I don't know, I guess they'll win a game. <laughs> Usually teams do. <laughs> yeah, with that bump in Washington home, cr- home crowd, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I would... I'll take the Raptors in five. Yeah, that's what I said at the start. I'll still say it. You yeah. know, Wall has the capability of going nuts, but... Uh, and I, at some point, they w- they'll have a cold game. Yeah, you would think. Although today was kind of a cold second half. They only hit two threes in the second half on 13 attempts. and like that, Oh, that yeah, would, but that's because they started playing their D-League lineup. Right? Yeah, but then DeMar <laughs> just, like, 
rains death from mid-range when he gets yeah, some space. Yeah. Like, we didn't even talk about Damar. He had 37 today. Yeah. 14 of 23. True, he had three true. threes. Like... That's true. Like, I mean, like, when you when you look at the, the contrast between Damar's game one and Damar's game two, just the way that he's learned how to eat a defense up yeah. is just... It's amazing. Like, yeah. You know, they play up on him, and he just decides, okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna get fouled a ton today. Yeah. This is this is what I'm gonna do, and that was really good for the Raptors because they got into the bonus pretty early as well. Yeah, uh, I have to catch a bus, so we gotta wrap this thing short. Thank you so much for coming on. Senior. No it was fantastic. No do you have worries. anything that you want to plug? Anything people should be checking out? Uh, I wrote about the Pacers. Uh, I'll have something on Lowry pretty soon. What about the Raptors' second-round matchup, the Indiana Pacers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote about the, uh, the Pacers are kind of underrated. I wrote that before their Game 1 victory, so I am taking my victory lap there. And, yeah, I'll have something on Lowry probably probably this soon, next couple of days. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you can find Seward at Damian Trillard on Twitter on a million podcasts because you're just blowing up now at this point, which rightfully so. Uh, I'm really excited for some future John Wall or Bradley Beal or Wizard slander coming up on your timeline at some point as well. Because I'm sure you have the polemic some good, is coming. I'm sure you got some. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got some jokes in the can. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again probably on Thursday with another episode. Uh, I got a pretty busy day tomorrow, so I'm not sure I'll be able to squeeze one in. But this is your podcast for Wednesday because if you're listening to this on Tuesday night, you're an insane person. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again. You subscribe. Just talking like calling your listeners insane. Yeah, yeah, well, and then you know asking them to subscribe. Yeah, that, that's it's it's all out of love, I think. Uh, either way, well, don't just leave me to my thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, Twitter at Woodley Sean. I wrote a couple things on Raptors HQ this week uh, yesterday, comparing Dwayne Casey's press conference after Game One last year and after Game One this year. I think it still holds up, uh, considering what happened in Game Two and the change that the Raptors have shown, so make sure you check that out. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again later in the week with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.